Now it's time for another story in this year's RTE Short Story Competition in honour of Francis McManus. Tonight and every weeknight for the next two weeks, you can hear a story from the shortlist at this time here on Late Date. And you can read all the stories at rte.ie forward slash culture. Tonight's story took a joint second prize of €2,000. Described by the judges Lucy Caldwell, Lisa McInerney and Declan Hughes as a poised, poignant, self-lacerating, deeply moving incarnation of a fraught mother-daughter bond and the ferocious tenacity of love, Mamo by Sarah Keating is, elegantly and powerfully narrated, the whole infused by anxiety and fear, the fear of ageing, of the dying, of the light. Mamo by Sarah Keating is read for us now by Ingrid Craigie. Don't tell Sally, but I cannot stand them. Sitting there, three little bums on six small hands, instructed not to touch anything. Put your quiet hands underneath your tush. Sally claps and sings, as if music is the only language a child can understand. Why does Sally bring them? Once a week is all she manages to come. So why can't she not leave them at home with a babysitter? Or out in the car with Stephen, even? I can see him from the window. Bent face, burnished blue with the light from his phone. Nothing wrong with these eyes. He has grown a beard, but he still looks too fresh, too casually unflustered to be a father. Slouched in the cupped sea of the passenger seat, the peak of a baseball cap peeking out beneath a yellow hood. How can he bear it? It is hot, so hot today. The sun is streaming in through the glass, trapping the heat in the sterile sealed room with its chemical smells and the fetid, fatal air of the dying. When Sally was small, she would lie in the middle of the lawn with a magnifying glass, trained upon whatever small creatures she had trapped in an old margarine carton. Vengeful, heartless child. Why has that long ago come to mind? Oh yes, the heat. The relentless, eye-stunning sun. No choice now but to turn to the door where the children are sitting. Three ducks in a row, blank and obedient statues. Oh, I really cannot stand them. I hear them coming, skipping down the corridor for the weekly pilgrimage, full of life and cheek for the nurses, frisky little lambs, then the plunged, insulting shush as they turn into my room and hover in the doorway until Sally up my loves them and they climb onto their plastic thrones to sit in silent, revolted judgment. Where does Sally find the toggery? Sequined T-shirts with winking yellow eyes? Shorts as short as knickers? rainbow-striped knee socks and stone-scuffed shoes. One of them, the middle one, the youngest, hard to tell, 
is the colour of dandelions from nose to knee, shining yellow skin. I have never once seen them in the dresses I bought for their birthdays, for Christmas. Sally might not have liked them, but she could have got her children to give them a twirl out of politeness. As for Sally, stretched and sprung flesh melts over the rim of her jeans, soft wax at the stump of a candle. She has let herself go. That's what we would have said back in my day, anyway. But Sally says it is not acceptable anymore to comment on a woman's appearance, or a girl's. When the first of the children was born, fine-boned and long-limbed, a little fawn, I said, what a pretty little thing. Just words to fill the air, but truth, of course, truth. And Sally said, with a condescending infant coo, let's find you some more interesting adjectives, Mum. Then down to the baby, Oh, look at those strong little legs kicking, letting its slender fingers pull her hair. What a determined little bubba you are. The new one is bound to the front of her, so she cannot bend over, even to kiss her old mum. She must be roasting underneath all that fabric. Don't tell Sally, but I cannot remember the children's names. Queer, foreign ones. Too many vowels. I still have no inkling what she called the boy, if it is a boy at all. It is hard to tell what she has smothered under her coat there, lying back in the scooped chair, pink booties dangling like extra useless limbs on either side of where her waist should be. She has closed her eyes to the window sun, so it is easy to study her, the tender bruises underneath her shut lids, the drawn spectral ash of her skin. Too stubborn for paint, of course. How are you today, Mum? Even her voice is no sleep shattered. I'm tired anyway. Was up all night with this little rascal. Her mouth lifts with a brief, wan smile, and the ghost of it stays upon her face in the creases, even when her lips fall to thin, straight repose. Do you know he would feed all night if you let him, and sleep all day? Well, at least the girls are sleeping through now. Her body ruckles with the mention of them, and she sits up and throws a glance to the girls, as if half expecting they have disappeared. Where would they go? But they are still sitting, mousy and mute on their chairs, in unnatural, stupefied quiet. The jumper lump on Sally's chest startles with the sudden movement, then piglet squeals muffled by fabric. The pair of them must be bound together by sweat. Sally thrusts her hips gently in the chair, but the baby doesn't settle, so she stands and shushes, bounces tidily up and down on her feet like she is riding an invisible horse. Oh, no! She sighs as he starts to howl, but she is beaming, proud. He must be the hungriest baby in the world. Here we go, then. 
Time to unravel and show the world your bosoms, Sally. Yes, there they are. Swollen and blue-veined, milk-mottled nipples as big as the moon. I told her on the first one, Ariel. Yes, that's it, like the washing powder. When Sally still came to visit, to sit at the kitchen table and cry, leaked milk staining her grubby grey T-shirt. I said, let me take the child and try and quieten her. But Sally would not let me lay my hands on it. Would just flop her breast out and squeeze the milk drops into its ball-opened mouth before shoving it in, a fleshy soother. Singing, of course, always singing, Milk for my baby, milk made by me. Then, no placating prosody for her mother. See, that is all she needs, Mum. I am all she needs. Slurp and slobber, gasp and gulp. Oh, he is a shameless little thing. Eyes scrunched, nose pressed, lips curled, drinking his mother in. I would turn the TV on for distraction, for decency, but I cannot reach the controls and I cannot ask Sally. Sally doesn't believe that children should watch TV. Imagine. Had she not seen her fill of cartoons and quiz shows when she was a girl? And it did her no harm. She went to college, got her doctorate. Though what was it all for when she was determined to unspin evolution and be nothing more than a mammal? I inquired politely when the second came so fast after the first when she would be going back to work, and Sally said, This is my work now, Mum. Then she had the third, and then the fourth, and she will be lucky now if she ever gets out of the home. I wanted to warn her then. It isn't TV you need to worry about rotting the brain, my girl, but motherhood. I worked the days long for you to stand on your own well-stockinged feet. But things were different back then. It was bottles of powdered milk, warmed if she wouldn't take it cold, and someone whose children were already raised to mind her until the school would take her. And that was good enough. Wasn't it good enough for you, Sally? Mammy? It's one of the girls calling, not Sally. They look nothing like Sally did when she was young, but it is hard to tell how they might scrub up, washed and polished like Sally always was. The prettiest girl, yes, the prettiest on the road. Mammy? I'm hungry. Oh, what's this miracle now? The baby still on her breast. Sally is up and shambling to her bag on the floor near the door. She bends and rummages, opens a noisy foil packet using fingers and teeth and passes it to the middle one to hold, the baby still guzzling away. And she's not finished yet. Don't forget the song. Clean hands are happy hands, everybody understands, using her mouth at the same time to pop the lid off a bottle which she pumps with her thumb, spraying magic soap upon their palm-turned hands. 
they all sing along, rubbing the lotion in, knitted fingers in prayer. Don't tell Sally, but I cannot stand the smell. Sickly lavender and disinfectant. And has the baby soiled its nappy? Oh, the window. The window. Open the window. What I would not do for a breath of fresh air. A different soundtrack now. Rustle, nibble, crunch, tiny teeth taking tidy bites, crumbs spilling silently to the floor, dandruff shaken from a shoulder. What is it the girls are eating? Pale, papery discs that look like Holy Communion. I want to tell them there are biscuits in my locker. Buttery sweetness sandwiched with jam and cream. Oh, look, your mad granny is not so bad after all. But Sally disapproves of sugar, says it's a drug. Even at the house, when she still came to visit, she would unpack a tower of Tupperware along with the baby toys. Sliced grapes, diced cucumber, pungent hard-boiled eggs, as if her own mother's food wasn't good enough for them. What harm was there in a biscuit? Was a biscuit not a rare pleasure in life? Mammy, there's a drink in my bag, darling. Just let me finish feeding Teddy. Teddy, yes, that's it, Teddy. Hard to imagine a grown man with the name, but it is perfect for the dark-downed, cuddly chub of this bundle. See him looking at me now over Sally's shoulder, face uncreased and eyes milk-bright, a windy smile on his suckle-stained lips. Oh, they are lovely, just lovely when they are so small, when they know nothing more about the world than what they are shown by their mother. We need to go now, Mum. These scallywags need their nap. But we will see you next Saturday, won't we, my little munchkins? Up now and give your mamma a kiss. Don't tell Sally. But I don't want them climbing up on the bed beside me. Bony elbows in my ribs. Sticky lips and the smell of soap from their pulsing, warm bodies. I cannot stand them. I cannot stand them. And it is so hot, so hot in here. The sweat is trickling down my cheeks, skimming the scalloped neck edge of my nightdress, puddling in my clavicle. I must ask someone to open the window. Oh, Mom, it's okay. Sally's mother-worn face is right up close to mine now, her rough fingers stroking my cheek, eye to ear, and she's singing. That cradle hymn I used to hum when I came in at night from a day on the shop floor, and she was in her white shift, tucked in bed already, asleep. Hush, little darling, don't you cry, Listen to your mama's lullaby. 
Oh, those children are so lucky, and they do not even know it. I want to tell them. I want to say, enjoy every moment of your mother, girls. It won't be long before you despise her. But when I turn to the door, all I see are the seats. Ugly, empty mockeries. What has Sally done with them? There is no car in the parking bay outside the window. And the sun has slid into the trees. The baby is gone too. It is almost night time. No, no, I want to shout. Don't wipe my face. Don't sing to me. I am not one of your children. But I say nothing. Can say nothing. Don't tell anyone, Sally. I almost cry out. But I am afraid. That was Ingrid Craigie reading Mamo by Sarah Keating, which took joint second prize in this year's RTE short story competition in honour of Francis McManus. The producer of the series is Sarah Binchy, the broadcast coordinator Carolyn Dempsey, and on sound was Liam Mullen. And tomorrow night, at the same time, you can hear the other story, which took joint second prize, Windsea by Donald Minahan, read by Aaron Monaghan. And you can find out about all the stories on the shortlist and read them all at rte.ie forward slash culture.